Benson, welcome to the SB. Thanks for having me. How the hell are you? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah, mate. I'm good. I'm real good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. What's your favorite thing that happened today? Um, I had two coffees. Yeah? Yeah. Back and, to back. Yeah, and I didn't like completely lose my... You know, so you know when you get that second coffee sometimes, it can really tip you over Twingy. the edge. Yeah, yeah. Like twitchy. Yeah, you're on edge, but no, nah, it didn't happen today. That's, yeah, that's a good thing. I washed it down with a... Um, one of those bar mees as well. So what's a bar mees? It's like the Vietnamese like pop, uh, barbecue pork rolls. Oh, nice! No, yeah, real nice. treat. Yeah, bit of chili, bit of chili, some coriander on there. Yeah, it's a good day <laughs> actually. When I look back, it was a great day. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what you've done. Yeah, yeah, okay. pretty much. That's it. <laughs> Two coffees. Yeah, and porking. Yeah, I worked on some music today as well, which is just finishing off a new song. So I guess that that's pretty good as well. But man, little pork roll. Yeah, you can't get a double coffee <laughs> yeah. and not getting saturated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caffeine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Wigging out, yeah. Um, what what's the like? What's your sit down daily process on producing music? Like, how do you? Because creativity is such a thing that can come whimsically and and on and off. But how do you get yourself to capture it? Um, it's kind of. Uh, I think I've been sort of producing for about ten years or so, mm. um, and the further I've gone in, like the more I feel more comfortable doing it. So. Um, I usually I have like a few projects or different songs that I'm working on and I try and like, you know, sort of try and knock them off one by one. Um, yeah. And just some, even just like like some of the process, you know, you, you start off in a bedroom, but you might be walking down the street to get a second coffee <laughs> and a like, little idea comes in your head. So you like hum it into your phone and like yeah. in your memos and then go back and sort of. They need the dumpling and, and then, then yeah, the comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like you go back in and you listen to, you know, it might be you're humming a bass line and then you go back in and you get on like a synth and then recreate it and. Um, there's a different, lot of different ways that I sort of like to approach it, but um, at the moment I, I used to, I used to have have my own studio and like you know, as a separate separate workspace to sort of get more done. But um, the last couple of years have just been set back up at home, and I'm really sort of enjoying getting up and um, getting into it. Right. Um, I and think maybe it's the environment, like the house that I'm living in, but it's just a bit more nicer and comfortable. So good I don't really want to get out of it too much. So <laughs> That's so good, man. How long have you been in that place? Uh, about two years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So Because I find it hard to work from the same place that I live because yeah. I need that break. Yeah. But, you, but everyone's different. So I'm fascinated to see, understand why, like, is it more what why is that you reckon i think the previous house that i had uh i was living in it for about four years in the same area in paran in victoria um and the room for music was just too big like the ceilings were too high it was like one of those sort of old sort of victoriana like style houses um so like with sound and stuff it would bounce off the wall and i could never really get things sounding that good in there because you know like um what was like you know like the ear my ears were you know dealing with different sounds and bass lines like pinging off the walls and i couldn't really get a feel for it so then i i got my own studio um but then uh decided to move into uh when things started getting a bit better i decided to uh move into a place with some air conditioning so yeah upgraded into a, a nicer place and then um sort of thought like you know this is just like the actual room that you know that i'm set up in is like perfect as well is and it's great for sleeping in so yeah just set up back in the bedroom and it's like i'm really enjoying it so that's it's so good, good yeah. man that's so good and double the two coffees a day so things are doing real well now. yeah yeah and i'm just off chapel street so those coffees aren't ever too far away what's your favorite coffee joint around there? i've just been i've, I've i'm at a latte man yeah yeah, yeah. uh 
you either do the oat latte or yeah. the macadamia latte. Yeah, yeah, latte. Nice. yeah macadamia does a nice creamy one. Yeah, yeah, I think that I reckon that's the pick if you're not if you're not drinking milk. Um, yeah. Sort of been off the milk for maybe yeah, a couple of years. Have you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Man, um, it's fucked. I my I, I started seeing this new PT and he was like, we haven't we haven't been producing this, the bacteria or whatever the thing is, the lactosiose, whatever it is that breaks down milk since we were three when we stopped like breastfeeding. Yeah, and so we that's why everyone's got. Yeah, get inflammation and stuff. Yeah, it makes you feel. Uh, yeah, I don't know when I s- stopped um, doing it and like started switching to you know alternatives. Um, I instantly started like feeling better and like didn't. You know, there's always after a morning coffee. I think you know the scenario. You have a morning coffee and then you pretty much almost instantly shit yourself. Um, <laughs> maybe that's just me, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. Sometimes, yeah, it's, yeah it's hit or miss. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not as bad when um not having you know normal milk yeah you know, yeah, cow's milk. yeah yeah it's a bit thicker <laughs> yeah yeah maybe we can upload a couple of photos on the <laughs> oh we got it's a multi-dynamic podcast we want to make sure you guys get a real gritty experience yeah yeah really breaking it down <laughs> fuck uh, we're look up we've really gone south here sorry about that so and how long a day do you spend like on your credit like on work do you do you does it vary each day? Do you sometimes do two hours? Do you sometimes do eight hours? Yeah, it does. It does vary um, a bit. Um, I guess like my whole sort of, you know, income and life is, is based around pretty much music. So I've got, I've got a record label as well, which I own cool. with a, another partner. And, um, we've got a few different artists, which we release their music on as well. So like if I'm not working on my own stuff, I'm working on the label side of things as well. Um, I try and I try and you know start my day just like a regular day you know like try and get up um get up early at a reasonable hour and you know <laughs> get into it um and then you know around five or six o'clock sort of clock off and you know yeah um I'm not a super late night worker yeah um, yeah and I prefer to like still a lot of my you know I've got a lot of musician friends as well but I've got a lot of little friend a lot of friends that I grew up from you know from high school and stuff that you know, they finish work at 5.30, so it's always good to uh-huh. sort of try and be in sync so we can still yeah, do stuff yeah. together, you know, like, uh, you know, just going on the beach or getting a feed or a second coffee or whatever it may be. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, just try and try and sort of um, at least do a, f- like, dedicate a few hours to each thing. So, like, maybe in the morning I might work on, you know, some label stuff and then in the afternoon three or four hours doing some music and mm. – and you've also got life admin stuff, which you try and squeeze in at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard when you work for yourself. I mean, it's not hard. It's a luxury. But the adjustment is being disciplined to, like, segment your day to do the things that you want to achieve, I find. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, you when you – yeah, yeah, like you said, like, when you are working for yourself, if you only really get out what you put in. So, if you if you do be lazy, you know, you're only hurting yourself. So. Yeah. But then you got to – then that thing of, like, having um, – motivation or inspiration or like the the zest you know the enthusiasm yeah for for like doing what you're doing is, yeah. is so important and that's like dependent on a variable of things isn't it like of how well you're feeling yeah if things are going well in your life if sh- shit's hitting the fan yeah 100 percent. how do you ride those kind of yeah it's um i think it really does depend on you know like how you're feeling to how much work your your output is like mm. if you're feeling shit then Usually the amount of work that I feel like my output is either shit or it's very minimal. Yeah. Um, so I really try. I do enjoy like you know having a beer and stuff on the weekend. And 
but I think the last uh, few months, especially just trying to like a um, bit of work-life balance, you know. Mm. Um, so if, if you do... energy is precious yeah, in that sense, isn't it? If you do have like quite a large weekend or, you know, if you find like you're playing a few big shows in a row, um, it does take you a while to bounce back and, and also like kind of clouds your creative juices as well. Mm, so... Mm, mm. Um, but that's your main job as well, like playing shows. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, fuck, it's a pretty fun life. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm super lucky because it doesn't really feel like work at all. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I've got like, I've had like, been lucky enough to see like a lot of um, Australian places that I definitely would not have seen. And then also been even more lucky to, you know, play over the world and um, yeah. check out some countries, you know, like you think about when you're younger, like saving up and like going backpacking through them, but like being able to, um, have like a, a country or a club on the other side of the world, you know, like fly you over and, and play a show and you get to, you know, experience their culture or, you know, see some sights and, and also get paid for it. It's, it's pretty awesome. It's so good, yeah. man. And, and the main event is like, how would you describe ways that you do, like you're feeding off the crowd, you've got a set, you sometimes switch up the songs. Like you, what, what is the essence of like performing to you? Well, um, yeah, well, I started DJing when I was 16 or 17, playing in um, my friend's backyards for like $50 and maybe a, a slab of beer. Yeah. Uh, That's fucking expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I'm still on the similar rate today. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I used to get 50 bucks and maybe a slab of slab of beer and, and used to play all night. And um, I'm really glad I started doing that because like it, it gives you like um, – like the ability to read like a crowd and, and what's next, you know, so you're playing from like seven o'clock till midnight or to whenever the police come and shut the party down. <laughs> and, um, you really learn that reading the crowd is such an important part of DJing and like honing in your craft song selection and stuff is great. And you can sort of plan your set out if you like, you know, as much as you like, but sometimes the art of DJing is just being able to read the crowd. Um, mm-hmm. And, and and that is like seeing them love a particular beat. Yeah. And go, oh, I've got another beat. I've got, that I got one really that's going to go perfect yeah, with yeah. this, you know, and then, then they just keep trying, oh, I know what's going to go after this, you know, they're going to like, they like this, they're going to do this. And You're orchestrating the dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, um, it's really fun. I mean, more these days, sort of not playing too many house parties for 50 bucks in a slab, but um, <laughs> more of the, you know, the bigger slots are at the festivals. You, you, you do tend to plan out, You've got like more of a like an hour, an hour and a half to play. So you you, you sort of tend to plan out your set. But I mm. usually have what what I would start with, and then I have a bunch of different songs that I can you know Take chop and change. So just in case the mood is changing, or you know I'm not set to um, an exact mm. exact set because sometimes if you just st- stuck to it and the crowd wasn't vibing, then you know, it's just going to fizzle out. But <laughs> yeah. if you can flip it on its head and bring it back, it's always it's always fun. Is there generally a bit of a narrative in terms of like beginning to end of a set? Like in terms of, you know, like some bands, for example, play certain songs, the, the bang is to start with and the bang is to finish and then yeah. take on a bit of a journey. Is it similar with with, with DJ? Yeah. Well, it's... Um like I produce all my own music as well, so you, you're trying to fit in your songs and right. other people's songs. So um, there is like a blend. I usually try and start off with a bit more energy and you know get them going early on. Do you play other people's songs and then just like come up on the mic and go, ah, oh, shit, and then like put your song on and be like, this is the best. Uh, yeah, I'll, and not I'll play other people's songs and claim they're mine. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, the uh, I, I think like I try and 
for a DJ set for an hour and a half, probably play about 20 songs, maybe a little bit more, 25. Um, and like at least probably 10 of those over a third are, tr- are, are my own ones. And then the rest are other songs or some throwback older ones mm. as well. So like I try and start it off energetic. Then like towards the end of the set, I try and include some of like my, my bigger songs that are my own ones. And then some like throwbacks, you know, like some classic house songs, you know, some mm. old Daft Punk or mm. um, even the other night I played um, it's, it's Raining Men as well. It's like finish off the set and yeah. You go from playing a really hard banger at the start to it's raining men, which is also a hard banger, but <laughs> the crowd reaction is always fun. You know, I like to, I still like to have that house party route, especially towards the end of my set. Right, yeah. right. And how do you keep yourself like? What what gives you? Are you always just on whenever you're performing, or does it? What what are you writing off people's energy? Like what what's going on inside your your, your body? <clears throat> um. Yeah, energy is like just trying to, I guess, feeding off the crowd's reaction, you know. Um, just seeing, I, I guess, the, the best feeling of DJing, especially in front of a big crowd, it's just like looking up when you drop like drop a song, um, whether it's your own or someone else's, and just seeing them just go, you're going for it, you know, like um, whether they're on shoulders or head banging at the front. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah it's it's, it's a great good. feeling yeah and yeah. It, like whether it's in front of a couple hundred people and like in a small club or like at a festival like falls or splendor it's yeah it's it's still like a really awesome feeling mm-hmm. and and some of the better the best gigs i've played have been in like smaller bars or you know smaller clubs um as well as you know the big festivals but it's just about the energy whether you know that energy that is created by 200 people or, or you know fifteen thousand. it's mm. it's yeah it's still really cool and it's riding them to that moment of the drop too, right? The build up and that. Yeah. Like that's that's a real key part. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So yeah. you just, you, sometimes you try and get the hair, like, you know, rev them up a little bit to, um, you know, get a reaction on the drop. Uh, and there's a lot of other elements in, in it these days, you know, like you've got lighting designers, you know, stage visuals. Mm. Um, you've got CO2 and flames, you know, blasting out. So there's, mm. it's... um. Yeah, it can, it's, it can really – the music is a huge part of it, but also, like, I feel the production side really does make it more of an experience in a, in a, in a show as well. Mm-hmm. And what do you think of the uh, – I'd like to understand a bit of, like, the craft of, like, mixing and stuff because cause it, like, I, I know there's all styles of different DJs. My friend Ed Fisher, he does, like, violent turntables and yeah. then he has a – I think sometimes mixes with, like, some dial thing. Yeah, he's got those rotary mixes. Rotary yeah, mixes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, and imagine that would be a whole different game because you can't – it's harder to just auto-sync the beats. Yeah. And But then there's so many different elements – yeah like what is the what is the craft of what you're playing with just for someone that doesn't really know about dj well i i'd I'd say like uh the main the if you were to describe it from the from basics like you've got two cd players um and whether it's you know two vinyl players or or whatever equipment you use um you've got two cd players and and these days it's you know usually done if you're not using vinyl it's usually done through usbs so you can just stick your usb stick into one of the cd players and you've got one song that's playing out loud so you might have sure believe playing out loud and the crowd can hear that um and on the other cd player you've got you know it's raining men and you're going to mix it in so you can hear in your headphones um the cue of you the can hear song. raining men coming in and you can you can mix it in with share um before the crowd can hear it and then 
once you're feeling like, oh, yeah, this is in sync and it's the right time and the beats are matching, you then pull up the volume, you know, on that second CD, uh, CD player, and then the crowd can now, you know, hear it as yeah. well. And then it's the it's the making the blend. Yeah, so it's... As we call it. Yeah, blending. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And then, um, and then usually when it's about to drop, you'll pull, you know... Uh, it's about to when that second song's about to build up and drop, you'll pull the the other song out. So Cher will come down and Raining Man will go up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's pretty much the basics, the basics of how thing. it works. Yeah, and then you're twiddling of all the frequencies. Yeah, and so when, and when you are mixing it in, like obviously you know songs have you know kick and, and bass and stuff like that. And if you do have them going at the same time, it does tend they also almost tend to cancel each other out with the with the frequencies and right. um, even on like a you know a big system having two songs going full ball um, can really, the compressors kick in. And so you, you, you try and when one kicks, you know, one kick and bass is going on one song, the second song you try and EQ that out so they don't clash. And then gotcha. when they do drop, you you flip the switch. So you uh, put the bass in the other one. Do that one. That's why I do that little knob <laughs> twist. So it actually does something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not just for show. That's so funny. And so what, what are you finding like creatively challenging at the moment? Like what's your, what are you what are you coming up against in terms of your, your process of making? Um, I guess sometimes you can just get in your own head a little bit, like, or you're listening to an idea so much and it's good, but you've listened to it so much that you keep changing it and you become like your own worst enemy. So sometimes I, I find like it's good to, you know, make a song and then sit on it for a few days and then, and then get back into it. Yeah. Um, because you tend to go around in circles and then you change it so much and it ends up being shit when you could just... Re- I mean, the good thing is you can sort of revert back to the old version, but um, just trying to be efficient and not waste time because you can just get caught in this circle. Rabbit hole. Of, of, this yeah. rabbit hole. And like it can go on for like days and yeah. stuff sometimes. And you and you walk out of a studio like after three days and you've got absolutely nothing to yeah, show for it. Yeah, and no totally know what's left. Yeah, and it just pisses you off because like yeah. you've just wasted almost a whole week yeah. for nothing. Like it's going to work going to work for a whole week and then right at the end of the day you want to make a song that you want to be productive like yeah. that gets out there and people listen to it at streams and then it makes you money and if you spend a week working on something and then there's a lot of the time like you know i'll have like 20 songs that i've sort of finished but out of those 20 probably only three or four are really good enough like um to mm. put out mm. you don't want to kind of just be putting out subpar sort of stuff because it's like it's, that's also one that thing of like once you put out something slightly subpar that does 10 points of damage compared to one point of good when you do something good yeah like it, you get you get set back for bad work you get set back so much further 100 than it yeah. takes to make a little bit of ground with good work yeah absolutely and like some of the some of the you know the biggest acts in the world you know they they'll put out you know four three or four singles a year if they're not like you know in an album cycle and the amount of songs that those people would have that don't get released would be huge because yeah. like you said if a one or two shit, shitty songs in a row really just damages the brand you know mm-hmm. and um yeah it's it's really important just to be honest and if some like honest with yourself you're like no this is shit i should just chuck that in the pile like mm-hmm. and not being super connected to it as well like mm-hmm. letting it go and just mm-hmm. and then starting something new 
that I've always loved what Rick Rubin talks about, like it being a reducer rather than a producer, like mm. pulling things out to simplify it. Yeah, I, I've I've like played with music producing before, and when I when I was younger, but also the same with video producing. It's the thing of like you overcomplicating yeah the edit or yeah. the mix, and you start to add too many elements where it either complicates it or distracts it or um, essentially spoils the simplicity of what it's like I always ask myself what's the story that needs to be told in this video yeah. rather than um, and then it's a dance of like oh this makes me laugh if I put that in there oh that makes me giggle if I do that yeah. but um, but it's the same with the music isn't it it's like that it's, it's that, that less dance. is more type thing sometimes mm. you know, it's like but you've got to also have the flair to put something new in as well because yeah. that, that will make it fresh or different yeah and like some of the most, the best songs out there are just really simple ideas that mm, are mm. being Which, executed well. And if you try, sometimes if you try and fill out a song with too many um, different sounds or ideas, it loses the main focus, whether that be like, you know, the groove or, or the vocals. Mm, um, mm. It can really, yeah, it can really just fuck it, you know? Have you seen that Rick Rubin and HBO doco? I think Shringala, Shringala, the place that he produces out of in Malibu. I've seen, I've seen, um, I think it was on, Letter- it was on that Letterman. Yeah, he was on Letterman. Yeah, yeah, Letterman. Yeah. Like, I think he did Jay-Z and they went, yeah. and they went to his place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which looks sick. And he like converted, yeah. he has like a converted yeah. like caravan that's Insane. into a studio and stuff as well. I haven't seen that doco though. It's so but good. Yeah. I need to get on that. Yeah. It's, it's such a wonderful insight like he just seems like such a guru yeah sensei of producing like he's, he's done everyone with so many the, the best of the best the best know? of the best and he's just got he's just like walking on clouds the way he sees things and hears yeah. things and it's just like invaluable yeah like if you've got a friend creatively that can do those kind of things like you're really lucking out with like having someone to collaborate with or having that mm. reflection because i find collaboration is a really important part of the creative process as well. Having someone to bang off. Yeah. Or at least a thing, like even if you're like listening to a certain song at the moment, loving it and then inspired by it. Like what, what, what's your like, what's your scene of what you get inspired by and who you love working with? Yeah, I think collaboration is um, obviously like I'm a solo artist, but you know, I collaborate, like I can't, I'm not a singer. So like I need to collaborate with vocalists on, on my songs and you know and t- from time again like work with songwriters to you know help write you know lyrics and um it's it's really important because you're not realistically unless you're that like you know very small percentage like rick room like i'm not talented at like really strong at everything you know mm-hmm. i might be good at certain things like um you know like programming you know drums or bass lines and coming up with some sort of atmospheric ideas, but there's, there's always going to be someone out there who's, you know, better at keys than me or, Mm. and, um, I think as soon as you sort of, you know, look at the the stuff that you're not as strong with and then collaborate with people that can, you know, you can help teach you and you can still learn bits and a lot lot of different things from them. And, Mm. um, I tend like, like lately the last sort of week or couple of weeks, I've been writing with a lot of different people. Um, and even just going to like my friend of mine has a house down in Sereno, so spending some time down there with three or four other different musicians and producers mm. and songwriters and singers. It's uh, um, when you get like a, a three or four or five people in a room, it's actually um, you can achieve a lot uh, mm. quite quickly. There's so many different ideas. That's and um, 
yeah, it's really fun and enjoyable as well when like you're standing around a table and something starts to pop off and like an idea really springs and everyone's eyes light up and then everyone's jumping in trying to give their two cents and sort of, tra- you know, putting all the ideas down. Um, and that a lot of that time that wouldn't happen if you're by yourself. So mm-hmm. I think being open to working with people is a huge thing that I've learned, especially in the last few years. Yeah. It doesn't take away anything of your creativity as well. You know, to, people talk about there's a difference between like, you know, they call it like a ghost producer where, you know, someone famous who's not really into music just pays someone to write their songs for them, you know. And, but there's like also sitting in a room with other people and coming up with their creative ideas and, and then working with them to create a song is mm. a lot different than just, you know, transferring someone some money and then you getting a product back yeah. like you would do on Amazon or, you know, yeah, like some yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's, yeah, really cool. And, and then the best thing about collaborating is learning from other people and they, they do the same with you as well. Yeah, yeah. And what's the process once you – do you send your stuff off to get mixed and mastered or do you, do you just like – because you know how bands would do that. They lay, lay down the recording and then they get it mixed and then mastered. What's the, with, with electronic music, what's the process? Um, the process is really similar. Like I try and mix it as good as I can um, to like a point where like I, it is like it is good. But if I sent it to a mixing engineer just to get that extra 5 or 10% makes a big difference on a song. Like mm. they're, they've spent their entire, you know, craft and like, you know, on learning mm. these things, which I haven't mm. spent my entire time, mm. you know, learning mm. mixing. So they're always going to be, it's always going to be beneficial to yeah. send to those people. And then they'll mix it. And then you either send it off, they'll either master it as well, or you send it off to someone else to get mastered. Right. Um, and then a lot of the time you do get a mix and then it's not hundred percent where you'd like it. So you go back and forth with the mixer with some notes or you sit in with them and change it together. But you're still sort of a part of the creative process still. That's cool. And what what artists out there are you, are you looking up to or loving how they're switching up? Like, yeah. is there any artists out there you're like, fuck, I love how you're doing what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, without like being like super like biased, but I've like a lot of my like friends, like Australian friends in the, in the dance music scene right now are doing some pretty amazing things, whether it's like... Um, in the house scene or, you know, uh, mm. like even like bands like Rufus who have like, you know, created their own sound and taken mm. across the world mm. and really been at the forefront now of that sort of, you know, electronica awesome. meets house. Like it's incredible um, so much. Yeah, their music's incredible. Yeah. It's so emotion provoking. Yeah. It's so, it makes you want to move. Yeah. And those guys have done like, I'd say them and you've obviously got people like Flume who created pretty much their own genre. You know, mm. it's like, it's pretty wild to see um Super and i was lucky enough to know those guys at the very start before you know when they were first releasing some of their first music and um then looking but you know like eight seven or eight years ago um and then looking at them now and they're like playing shows all over the world like mm. headlining festivals you know like coachellas and stuff like that it's just pretty incredible that you can go from a bedroom to you know the biggest stage in the world so incredible and what do you know of their process like their where how they've the, the the you know the backstory of what made their music their music or like what made them genius it's i, I don't i don't know i think maybe it's also like you know trying something new and like not being afraid to um go with the you know what is popular or what's the next sound mm. but like creating their own sound that can like pick them out from against everyone else you know yeah 
distinguishes their own sound versus, you know, listening on the radio and, and then, you know, some people like imitate or emulate or whatever it is. Is that the saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like they are create, like they're creating something new and there's so many um, things out there and especially in music, you know, like thousands and thousands of songs get released every day and, you know, um, the only way that you're ever going to get recognized or, you know, separated from the pack if you create something new and mm. unique. It's kind of like that uh, a recipe for doing it from what I can observe is like someone that say, you know, you love like metal music, but then you go try to make EDM. Like it's, it's, it's having, it's coming from a certain understanding or influence and then transferring it into a new style or genre. Yeah. And you kind of create a new style. Well, like, it's what Skrillex. Yeah. Skrillex, well, yeah, yeah he was in, you know, he was in like punk bands and metal bands and yeah. stuff. And then now he's like the biggest, like one of the biggest electronic producers in the world. You know, he works with like rappers. He works with, he's, he, you know, obviously does his own solo stuff. In the past, he's like even worked with people like Korn, like, you know, mm. writing their albums and stuff. So mm, mm. he's, yeah, he he's a great example. Like, he's just what, really one of a, like, he can pretty much do anything, I mm, think. Mm. There's also people that, follow trends like what is the next big thing as well which you know and what is that <laughs> well I, it's it's you know like f- since i started making music i've always been into house music and i've sort of stuck with that the whole the whole way like i've never really that's what i really enjoy doing yeah. and there's obviously other people that i mean like trap music might be big so they'll mm. stop making house and they'll go make trap and then like edm might be big and yeah. they try and make something like a vici and then it it's just kind of that's what i talk about being like pure and you know just being focused on creating your what own you love yeah what you love mm-hmm. and like not what's the next popular thing or what's going to make you you know the next you know mm. um what's going to get you that next second coffee you know so <laughs> i fucking feel like a coffee now yeah. i haven't had a coffee in like a week yeah. <laughs> um and so yeah it's interesting so with, with when you're producing like what, what again i'm asking very behind the scenes because yeah. i find it fascinating but like the like where you get your elements from, like you get, you even, you make them up originally on keys and through synths and through yeah. plugins through the software or you can, because you can't grab sa- sample so much, it's annoying because you have to get licensed and whatnot in it. Yeah. Well, you can, um, yeah, so there's that, there's that process of, you know, sampling songs like, which was huge, you know, in like the early hip hop days, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays you, it's almost easier to create something new or if you do have a sample, you can get it re-sung. So, All right. um, and then you do have to give like the royalties to the, to the, still to the original artist. But All if right. it's a re-sing, it's like class as a cover almost so you can get around it. All right. Um, so that's why you'll hear like on the radio, like, you know. Songs that sound like other songs. Yeah. yeah. Old, they're just covers of old songs because yeah, you can just wow. use it as a cover and you don't need to really to get like clearance or license for it. So. But you will have to pay a royalty. Yeah. So it's like, smaller. yeah. So if it's your song and I, you know, cover it um, and get it re-sung then you know you're pretty much entitled to all of all of that revenue that i make off mm. that song mm. but it might benefit you in other ways like i might get a bunch of gigs from it and make money off it like that mm. but um as far as creating like your own sound like these days i there's like a lot of people um you know enjoyed like hard like, hardware since like since the you know actual 
not in the computer and yes. you, yeah. you're sort of playing them and in twisting all the knobs but um, like old analog ones analog synths yeah, yeah. They, do, they are some of them are super expensive yeah um, and they do take up heaps of space unless you have you know plenty of room to fit them all yeah um, the last few years like I would just have like uh, a MIDI keyboards which plugs through your computer um, and a lot of these synths like hard like analog synths um, are recreated in like a virtual synth that shows up on your computer yeah, and you can change a synth and you can stay on the same keyboard and you know you might bring up a synth that you know, is like really know, well known for doing bass lines and you can sit on the one keyboard play that and then the next synth might be you know um, huge like horns or atmospheric sounds and you can just switch and without having um, a full stockpile um, of, yeah. of a physical ones yeah taking yeah. up mum's basement or something yeah. like that so <laughs> uh, that's how I usually use them like I, I sort of create this like they're called VST so it's like virtual synthesizers yeah um, and you kind of instead of twisting the knobs and, and whatnot you kind of draw in um yeah, you draw automations, on yeah, on in the in the program. So mm-hmm. like, you kind of just it's like mapping. Yeah, yeah. it's just like m- sort of mapping the sound waves and and, and it's all quantized. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you you map it rather than play it out. Yeah, so I, I'll play like you know I'll play keys and then you know I might like open up. Um, sometimes when you you're creating a build and you want the synths to like as it as it gets longer and longer you want it to sort of open up and it sounds so like it's called the cutoff. Where it might start off like, and then if you open up the cutoff, it's like, like a bit louder. So like, you kind of can gradually draw that in as well. So you can play it and then stop, stop what you're doing, then go back and sort of draw in sort of point where you want exactly to open up. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, also I've been involved with like, you know, playing on like modulus and so like, um, analog stuff and just sitting there for hours and playing on them is so fun though so like that yeah. is really enjoyable yeah and you, and can, like, can, like, you can like record um, all the sounds out and then a lot of people like will play on like an analog synth record a bunch of different sounds and effects and then they might play, be playing it for like 20 minutes and then go back and listen to the recording and pick out the bits they want and chop them up and then put them back into the song so. right and what, how do you cry, how do you how do you make your own unique sound then? Like, is it if it comes down to, like, what, how would you describe the uniqueness of what you go for? Um, I try, like, I try and, um, like, I really love, I do love, like, like music that does make you feel a bit emotional. Mm. Um, but I also love making club bangers as well that are just, like, late night, 4 a.m., um, the last few years I've, I've made worked with a lot of different writers and, and made like your traditional sort of songs that would be, you know, verse, chorus, um, pre-chorus and, um, what have you and then bridges. But the last few singles that I've done, I've made like, they're made more for clubs and festivals. And then I really do enjoy those as well. I think the, for me, the creative process of making those songs is a lot easier like it just feels a lot more natural yeah and it's for more fast pace as well and you can really you might just have one really cool vocal sample and um it it just like fits perfectly throughout the whole song yeah and when you're working with other singers and songwriters you know you need to get that take right or you're waiting for someone to send back vocals and it you know you might be working on a particular song for like a year or so because it's either the process is holding up but at the moment i'm just really enjoying making stuff with simple groove like we're talking about less is more sort of taking out some of those 
some elements and just keeping it really simple and some of the biggest songs over the last um sort of year or two on as far as like electronic house music songs have just been really simple ideas mm-hmm. and it's kind of always i guess it's kind of always been like that mm-hmm. just like learning from my own stuff and then mm. and trying to take take some bits out and you know know when know when the right time to put stuff back in and yeah i don't i don't know what i exactly would say like how i make it or like what is why my sound is different or unique it's just um i guess this is how the head operates you know mm-hmm. i can't really put a note on why it is how it is but mm-hmm. um i just like making some weird sounds so mm-hmm. like um and some sounds that are a bit different to other people mm. Um, and what's like, what's like one, have you ever done an arc, performed it on an arc, hire a burning man or something? Or what's some like weird places you've played? Um, I haven't played, I haven't done an arc at burning man. Um, I'm trying to think what are some weird places I've played? Um, I've obviously done like a lot of like sort of big like festival stuff, which is awesome. But some of the funniest stuff, like when I look back and when I first started, DJing like playing at a, like at a at a taco shop on like Monday nights like in Mornington <laughs> yeah, yeah. like probably in 2012 or something like that yeah and like I, I would get like some free tacos and like some I'd get like you know like 100 bucks or something to play for a few hours and you'd have guacamole all over the mixes and decks and stuff I would be eating tacos and um you know, then I was like, obviously, this is not where I want to be, yeah. but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> so, like, I reckon looking back at some of those, um, I, I, I don't know if there's something really crazy that I've, like, something super weird. Like, I haven't played on, yeah. I've seen some pretty incredible stuff where people are playing, you know, like, on the top of, like, one, like, like, like playing in some huge mountain tops, like in the yeah, Alps and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. which looks pretty sick. Yeah. I'd assume it'd be a bit of a pain to get all the equipment up there, yeah, but yeah. Like, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, That's fun. Off the top of my head though. Taco. Yeah. Ta- the taco shop. Taco and Munching <laughs> Mondays, I think it was called. Ta- Munching Mondays. <laughs> yeah. You should go back to a show like that. Yeah. 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 It was pretty funny. Like, um, it was just, yeah, a taco shop. And then like they'd clear out the tables on a Monday night and people were just like, you know, smashing drinks and like dancing on tables and stuff i was like fuck's going on here (laughs) they look different (laughs) um where can people check out your stuff on instagram spotify yeah um yeah so under benson on spotify and instagram and twitter and all and soundcloud all that stuff as well it's just benson oz so it's b-e-n-s-o-n-a-u-s so like you can just find that on it's pretty much the same on all on all those social platforms Awesome. And what shows have you got coming up? Um, I have... You got any booked in the moment? I think you're taking a break, aren't you? Yeah, I've got, I am moment. taking a bit of a break. I'm, I'm playing in Perth in a few weeks' time and doing playing at the Melbourne Grand Prix. Oh, um, cool. And then after that, I've got um, a few shows over in America. So I'm just really trying to have a Wicked. crack over, over there. I did some shows over New Year's Eve and... Um, Really trying to... I just signed with a label over there about six months ago. Oh, so, man. yeah... Um, got some festivals uh which will probably get announced in the next few days but like it looks like at the moment like sort of uh florida and like um san diego and and phoenix and stuff like that phoenix and stuff like that as well so um i'll find out a bit more and sort of that 
um, aspect. But as far as Australian shows go, um, second half of the year, I think the third quarter, I'm looking at doing a tour. So awesome. Just finishing off the songs for it at the moment. And yeah, keen to get back out there. Wicked, man. Well, thanks for your time. Thanks for sitting down and telling us about everything. No worries. Thanks for having me, man. Cheers. Cheers,